Welcome everybody to the latest edition of Red Wolf Talk. My name is Kim Wheeler and I will be your cruise director today. I know it's been a minute since I've done a podcast. Things here at the coalition have been kind of crazy. My schedule, I've been traveling and visiting with folks and meeting kids and um, it's been really busy. This is usually when things in my world tend to slow down a little bit and I like that. It was a busy summer and it gives me the opportunity to reflect on the previous year and what did we do, what was on our to-do list, what didn't we get to, what did we do right, what do we need to do better, and um, I'm hoping in the next month or so as the holidays come up that things will slow down a little bit and I'll have a chance to kind of go through that list and look at some of our goals for the coming year. Since I've mentioned goals, for those of you that follow us on social media, you probably have seen that we just initiated a fundraiser. The service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Red Wolf Recovery Program was in need of another acclimation pen. So what is an acclimation pen, you ask? An acclimation, uh, it's easier said by other people than me, an acclimation pen is what the service field staff uses to house wolves in the wild. Generally, it will be uh, a captive wolf and a wild wolf. It could be a family group of captive wolves. It's an opportunity for the service to bring these animals together, for them to live in a particular place, generally a territory that the service would hope the animals would take up once that gate is open. But it is a critical tool that the service uses as they are doing these releases. And we know they've been doing releases for a couple years. For those of you that follow know that releases are not easy. You know, the service can do everything they can do, but at the end of the day, when they open that gate, then the wolves do what they want to do, and they also, we also know that um, there are things that can happen, both human-caused and natural, and sometimes those human-caused problems or challenges are very difficult for the rest of us to accept, but we certainly know that it happens. But these acclimation pens really... To me, it's one of the early building blocks of making sure that captive wolves come together with a wild wolf or a captive family, and it gives them a good foundation, hopefully, for when those gates are opened and they are able to go out into the wild. So for those of you that follow us on social media, um, both on Instagram and Facebook, there are posts about the fundraiser. If um, you want to go directly to the fundraising page, it's mightycause.com. Type in Red Wolf Coalition, and we've had a couple of fundraisers. They're the fundraising platform that we use, so you'll see several. But there, our most recent fundraiser is called Fulfilling a Goal from Captivity to Freedom. And really take a second, even though I've basically explained what it is we're doing and why we're doing it, take a second to read the narrative. My board chair, Neil Hutt, really did a good job explaining the importance of these acclimation pens. Many of you that follow us may also remember that we did a fundraiser last year for another acclimation pen. We were fortunate last year, again, the ask was out, and the North Carolina Wildlife Federation and the coalition actually split uh, in half the cost of the pen. And so we were excited to be able to meet that need and are excited to be able to meet that need again. And so if you are of a giving mind, and I hope you are since we are headed into the time of Thanksgiving, every dollar helps. We have a, 
a big ask. Our goal is $35,000. These pens are not made of flimsy material. They're made of chain link. For anybody that's been to Northeastern North Carolina, these pens keep these animals in, but it also helps to keep the bears out. So they can't be flimsy little structures. They have to be pretty solid um, and take a, a little bit of time to build, and they are incredibly important, as I have mentioned. So I will ask again that if you are of a giving heart, please give. As I said, every single dollar helps. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it really it really does make a huge difference and after you've given if you'll if you're, you're on social media put it on your page and ask your friends and followers to do the same tell them that this is an important cause to you and you would appreciate if, if they would also be of a giving heart so uh, again it's mightycause.com the fundraising page is called fulfilling a goal from captivity to freedom if you go on our Facebook page, which is Red Wolf Coalition, you'll be able to find a link that will take you directly there. And the same thing on Instagram. Instagram, I think you have to work a little bit more for it. Um, you know, Instagram is the my Achilles heel. I'm trying to, still trying to figure out how to work um, and do a better job at Instagram. But again, thank you so much. I'm gonna thank you in advance for giving and hope that everybody that's listening to this podcast when you finished or hit stop or pause right now, go make that donation. And again, we thank you very, very much. The wolves thank you, and we appreciate all your support. So today I was trying to decide what did I want to talk about. It's been a little while since I've done a podcast. I feel like a lot of things have happened in the program, and I landed on what is a recovery plan. I was able to be part of the recovery um, planning team for the last two years. And I have to tell you, it was an amazing experience. I have never been part of writing a recovery plan. I had an idea in my mind what I thought a recovery plan was, what it covered. And I have to tell you, after two years, um, those ideas were shattered. I recognize um, and have learned about the process a little bit better the group that came together was amazing. It was over 50 people that this collaborative effort, it included um, certainly the service. It included state and federal agencies, not just from North Carolina. There were tribal nation representatives, county government, um, academia, zoos and conservation centers, nonprofit organizations, non-government orgs and landowners. It was a very unique group of individuals with very diverse opinions. And that's what I enjoyed as we went through the process, went into different breakout sessions. You know, I, I'd like to think everybody came into this. I'm sure everybody had their own opinions of about the Red Wolf, Red Wolf Conservation. Will it work? Will it not work? But I hope and I feel like I saw it in the group's that I participated in, that everybody was willing to speak their mind in a respectful manner, but also to listen. I know my mind was changed on a couple things. So like I said, I was really, really interested in this process and am so glad that I have been through it. I feel like I now have a better understanding of what a recovery plan is and what the role of it and all the other peripheral activities that go along with it. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about. I promise I'm not going to get down in the weeds. That's that's not my 
That's not my goal here. It's just to give you a better explanation of exactly what a recovery plan is. The last recovery, Red Wolf Recovery Plan, was actually revised in 1990. So it had been a little bit of time, and it had been a minute or two, um, since a recovery plan had been written for the Red Wolf Recovery Program. So a lot of time, a lot of people that have been involved for a while, um, those of us that are new to the process, obviously we were new, but I feel like most everybody involved had some involvement, whether it's direct or indirect, with a recovery program, and we all came with information. Um, the one thing I learned is the service has um, a three-document approach when putting together a recovery plan. The first part of that is the species sat status assessment. Um, that was completed in 2018, and what that document did, it evaluates red wolf viability and provides the foundational biological information to develop and support a recovery plan. So that's the first building block, is that SSA, as I call it, because um, that's a whole lot easier than keep than to keep saying species status assessment. After I say it about three times, there's no telling what will come out of my mouth. The second building block was the recovery plan. And what this is, it's a concise, visionary document that contains the elements required under the ESA recovery criteria. It encompasses recovery actions, time, and cost estimates. What I found very interesting about the recovery plan is, I thought a recovery plan, and I know I've read the previous, but I guess I didn't pay as close attention as I should. I thought that it laid out everything, you know, step one, two, three, four. And this is what you do when you do it in this order, and this is how it's done. That's not necessarily the case. It does give you an outline. It is a roadmap for recovery, whatever this species is. But the recovery plan tells you if, if the recovery plan says you're going to do releases or you're going to do um, coyote sterilizations. It'll be a broad statement, but it's not going to tell you exactly how to do it. And certainly the reason for that is science changes. We know field techniques change. Things can get better. You can learn better information. So you don't want to tie yourself down to doing something exactly specifically as it says, because obviously then the service can lend itself um, open itself to litigation from an organization that says, you didn't do it exactly as you stated. So you, you want to make sure that there's room as the science improves. That's one huge thing that I learned about this recovery plan is exactly what the role of the recovery plan is in recovery and also in this three-document approach. The third one is the recovery implementation strategy. And what that does, that gives an itemized and prioritized list of on-the-ground activities that need to happen to identify recovery, that recovery plan. So that gives more specific, but again, not to the point where, you know, it says you take five steps here, turn left, seven steps, turn right. Again, the one thing that I found really interesting in all this process is 
they're always, and these are my words, not the service's words, there always has to be room for improvement in techniques, um, new information in science. I mean, you want that. You don't want to be mired down in old technology and old science, especially science, genetics, that's all such ever evolving so quickly. You want to be able to, and I say you, I mean the service, needs to be able to evolve and change as information is gathered, information is learned, sharing of information with other recovery programs like the Mexican Wolf Program, that all needs to be able to happen. And all these documents need to be able to give the service that plan to do that. And so that was really, really interesting to me. Um, the recovery plan is um, listed and also the population viability assessment that was done, and that is on the Fish and Wildlife's uh, Red Wolf Recovery website, and I will be sure to list that website along with that fundraising um, link on the notes um, from this podcast. And so I really thought it was important to share some of that information about a recovery plan because there was a lot of conversation when the recovery plan first came out, there were some groups, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I'm just trying to point out some of the things that we saw that didn't feel like the recovery plan was specific enough. The service certainly looked at all the comments when it was open for public comments. Um, I know that they made some changes and um, included some information, and, and that became part of the process as we finished it up, finished up. That recovery implementation strategy was actually the last piece of the puzzle. We had been meeting everybody in this group for two years. We've been meeting on Zoom. We never sat in the room together. And so um, we were able to come together a couple months ago, and we met at the Museum of Life and Science was kind enough, and wonderful enough to host us and it was great to meet some of these people not everybody attended it's just great to sit in the room with people it's you know zoom and and microsoft teams are wonderful but there's something to be said about sitting in the room together with people and really looking at each other and working on questions and answers and getting to know people. Um, it was three days of meetings and we had breakout sessions. And again, we came together from each group. And I'd like to think the purpose of that was to make us all think, even though I was in a particular group, there were four other groups. As we listened to their presentations every day, for me, it helped me to hear their presentations because I'm working on one particular piece of the puzzle, but then you're hearing all the other pieces. And when it comes together, all of a sudden you're like, oh, the puzzle makes sense. And to me, that's really important as Red Wolf Recovery moves forward, making sense of everything going on sometimes is incredibly hard. Um, it's difficult. Nobody ever said that Restoration of any animal was easy. It wasn't easy in 1987 when this program started, and it continues to be difficult. There are so many different challenges that the service has no control over. Um, I don't think I mentioned 
that the final revised recovery plan was released on September 29th, 2023. So again, I will be sure that I have that link in the information on this podcast. And so feel free to share that information. It really is a very good website. It gives you updates on population numbers, some history, things going on, um, some great, wonderful things. And then there's some also hard news on there about mortalities that have occurred. And, and mortalities are hard and they are emotional. But I ask that everybody, you know, we as we're thinking about a loss of an animal, and there was recently the milltail male that was um, killed by a, a vehicle. It was a vehicle mortality. It is very sad. And we know he was the only breeding male out there. And what do we do? And I think sometimes people tend to spin a little bit out of control. But I ask everybody to take their moment and to think about him, and, and that's fine. But, you know, this program has to keep moving forward. And the men and women of the service, this field staff, you know, everybody in the program, the Red Wolf Recovery Program, are amazing, and they always, first and foremost, have what do we do best for this wolf. So for those people that are wondering what in the world is that mama from the mill mill tail going to do, I don't know. I don't know if the service knows, but let them have a chance to figure it out. You know, please remember that they're living with her. She has yearlings and then pups from this year. Um, you, I don't, I don't think it would be possible to round up all those pups in that mom and put her in an acclimation pen and hope that they can find a, a mate for her. So don't be discouraged. I, I trust me when I say the service has the tools that they need to keep this program moving forward. Again, it may not be easy, but don't give up. It's really, really important that everybody understands that they keep things positive. I mean, there's there's going to be tough days, but you got to keep looking forward. You know, the old adage, it does no good to, you know, looking in the rearview mirror doesn't do anything, but you're looking in the rearview mirror, and, and we certainly need to be looking forward. So just that's what I wanted to really talk about today, about that recovery plan. I hope this little bit of information that I gave you, a lot of this information I got right off the Fish and Wildlife's website because – I wanted to be sure that I gave a great, ex a good explanation of what the recovery plan looks like, why there's a recovery plan, and I wanted, I wanted to provide a little bit of insight because I think from someone that didn't know anything about it, learning about it, if I could have learned something at my old age, then I'd like to think maybe somebody else could understand a little bit better about what a recovery plan does. Um, the recovery implementation strategy, that was fascinating to me. Um, again, when you're thinking about, so now you're going to put together a strategy of how you do something, but you need to be specific, but sort of non-specific. So it was very a very, very interesting process and some very tough questions on how you get things done. And sometimes actions require organizations or agencies outside the service and how you make that mesh and and making sure that everybody stays focused and headed in the same direction so again I um, I I encourage you if you've not read the recovery plan I 
I must give a huge shout out to Emily Weller, who's the coordinator of the program. Um, she did an amazing job. Really, really hats off to her. They, again, kudos. And uh, I hope that you will take the opportunity to give it a read and um, maybe understand a little bit better about what is coming forward for the recovery plan program. The PVA, Population Viability Assessment, is also on their website. The recovery implementation strategy is not something required by the rules and regulations that it needs to be published. I don't believe um, that has been put together yet. Um, certainly the service thought that they were going to have a shutdown and now they're at the door of possibly another shutdown. So, um, you know, I'm sure they'll put everything, those, the recovery plan and the PVA are on the website. And again, I'm going to make a note of that in the comments on that. Also, I want to say if you are headed to Columbia, um, the Red Wolf Education Center, um, we have two new wolves that just arrived last night from Zoo Tampa. They're beautiful wolves. They're five-year-old brothers and um, very handsome, very handsome. They um, have done very well for their first 24 hours here. For those of you that are wondering about the other two, and those were Eno and Ellerby from the Museum of Life and Science, um, one of them is, is going to end up in Texas and the other one in South Carolina. As most of you may or may not know, they were neutered for health reasons, so they are going to go be companion animals, and they are beautiful animals too. And and that's one thing in this in the safe program, you need you need animals that could be great candidates for release, but then you also need education animals, and I I feel like both of them are equally important. So those brothers, even though they're going to split up, they are going to go and continue to be incredibly valuable for their species, and um, and so I I. I know that they will go on and, and be very well taken care of. And so I believe the North Carolina Wildlife Federation has not turned the cameras back on, but I am not certain about that. Um, that's on EarthCam. You want to check it out, just type in Red Wolf Center, and those should pop up. I probably should have looked at that before I started this podcast. But um, this center, the Red Wolf Center, is um, located on uh, Highway 94 South here in Columbia. If you are interested, as far as I know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, they're open. I, just as I said that, I questioned myself. But please call Kat Ramos at 252-216-6634, and she can let you know when the programs are, and please, if again, if you're in the area, go and see our newest members, um, or newest residents here in Columbia, North Carolina. They really are beautiful, and um, and I am excited to be their caretaker and hopefully transition them into a great uh, relaxing, if wolves relax, I don't even know if they relax, maybe when they sleep, um, just that they settle in nicely and have a good life here. Don't know what the long-term plans are for them, if it will be for breeding. That's something that the SAFE program looks at every year. And so we will just take the very best care of them. And this summer, when the SAFE program comes together, if a decision is made to move one and bring a female, then we'll just roll with it. We are excited for them to be here. And again, please give Kat a call and, and she can give you more information about when the programs are. And um, she's doing a really good job over there at the Red Wolf Education Center. That 
it, that facility is located on Pocosin Lakes National Wildlife Refuge, but they have an agreement with the North Carolina Wildlife Federation to do these programs. So please, if you're gonna be in the area, always you're more than welcome to come see me at 212 Main Street, Columbia, North Carolina, 27925. Um, welcome Matt is always at, we are getting ready, our little community. Um, I suspect in the next week or so to start Christmas decorations. Isn't it crazy to think Christmas already, but I'm finding around here a lot of people have already started with Christmas decorations. I think the state of the world, people just want a little pretty and, you know, certainly Christmas lights and, and all that comes with the holidays, no matter what your religion is, I think gives us all a moment for uplifting and maybe we feel a sense of peace. So Columbia is a beautiful little town when it's decorated and um, we have a great Christmas festival that happens the very beginning of December. We have an awesome Santa Claus. So if you're going to be in the area, um, please come and see us again. Always welcome to come see me. I'm going to put the Fish and Wildlife website on the comments, and I'm also going to put our fundraising page. And hate to ask again, but please, I would ask that you consider to make a donation toward this incredibly, incredibly important fundraiser to be able to buy an acclimation pen to help the service have another place to be able to put wolves so that it's just a tool. It's just something to help. It's a much needed tool that they use to help wolves that don't know each other, that come from captivity and from the wild and family groups learn to be wild and your donation will make that possible. I mean, that's pretty cool. Think about that for a second. Your donation will help that happen. And there's a lot of things. I get a lot of questions from people. How can I help? What can I do? And I always hate to say, you know, open your wallet and give. But this is one of those times that giving is really important because this acclimation pen is needed. So on that, I thank you very much for listening. Um, thank you for all your support. Um, I wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, try to eat too much that's the one day of the year I give myself that luxury and thank you so much and keep howling and I will talk to everybody soon